So we're, uh, today we're in the series called uh, Missing the Point, and we're just continuing that conversation. Um, and we kind of thought it was a very relevant topic because, you know, at, at some point we've all missed the topic, or missed the point. We've all missed the point. <laughs> what a wonderful start. <laughs> I practiced that line over and over yesterday. I mess, kept messing it up, but uh, so it's okay. Um, we all, you know, we all at some point missed the point. Um, you know, if you have kids, if you have you know, family, if you have parents, if you have a wife or a husband, I'm sure lots of times you can think of a time when you missed a point or when someone else missed a point. You know, it's a very, very uh, relevant topic for us. Yeah, uh, like just this past week, uh, we had a little bit of a conflict, you could put it that way, mm-hmm. um, because we are missing each other. So it was because my love language, just to give you a lot of little background, my love language, the top one, is gifts. Um, and Daniel's probably lowest love language is gifts, so you can imagine we miss each other a lot on that topic, that particular subject. Um, And for me, it's because I don't like saying that I like gifts because it makes me feel like really high maintenance and selfish, but to me, it's like it doesn't have to be really extravagant or anything. It's just because you were thinking of me or like just some, I don't know, it's just something that makes me feel loved and like that... um, it doesn't have to be necessarily a special occasion, um, and it's usually something like that I wouldn't buy for myself, just like to make it more special, I guess. Um, and so usually, like I don't, I prefer more sentimental gifts over like functional or practical because I, it's something that I receive love with. Yeah, and so as Joran said, for me, my lowest love language gift uh, is gifts. So. For me, if I were to buy a gift, I want to think of it as it's useful. I want to, if I go into a store, um, I'm walking around the store like, okay, what can I buy Jordan that she'll use? I'm like, okay, will she use this vacuum? No, we don't use the vacuum. That's not, that's not right. Uh, will she use this uh, cup holder? No, no, that's not right. Will she use this tire pressure gauge? Oh, no, her dad already gave me one. Um, so, like, I, 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 it's really hard for me. So, like, that's what I prioritize when I buy a gift for almost anyone. I always just think it's such a waste for me to buy a gift and for it to just sit on a shelf and collect dust, or if I think to myself, would they even want it? Is it even going to be used? Because if it's not going to be used, then, like, what's the point for me? I don't think, I'm like, why would I even buy it? Um, so, and you can tell we, we have a lot of disagreements on that because we just, we're missing each other. We just don't understand each other's point of view. And so this all came to a head uh, last week. We were at Disneyland, and um, we were at the Disneyland store. Okay, it's the end of the night. We're at the store, and Jordan sees this jacket, and it looks like this. This is the jacket in question, okay? It's a very nice jacket, I will admit, okay? <clears throat> but, we don't know her, but yeah. we don't know this lady. Just, just a random question, a random picture I found on the internet. Um, so we're in the store, and uh, you know, she sees this jacket, and she's like, oh my gosh, this, I, I want, I want, this jacket's so cute. And I'm like, okay, two things come to my mind, and my arguments are, one, you already have two trench coats that are used for the rain. Okay, and two, I don't know if you guys have been to the Disneyland store, but it's not cheap, okay? (laughs) Things are expensive, and I already knew. I didn't even have to look at the price tag. I was already going to know, oh, man, this is expensive. So, you know, and so then I, you know, that was my argument to her. I was saying, um, yeah, Jordan, uh, I feel like we don't need it because, A, you know, you already have your trench coats, and you have trench coats that are used for the rain. And this is a raincoat. And this is just, as Chinese people see, that's a marketing scheme. We see right through that. You don't need it. And I was, gonna, I was telling Jordan, you, we're not going to fall for that. We're not going to fall for that. <laughs> and 
And my argument was, it's cute and I want it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but seriously, I think for me, it was, it was a sentimental thing. Like, so we had our three-day SoCal Disneyland ticket, and this was the last day, so we probably weren't going to go to Disneyland and spend money for, like, another year. And we were having a nice day up until the store. Um, <laughs> and so it would be a nice, like, little memory. And in my defense, it was raining that night, so I would have used it. At least once. I didn't have my trench coat with me. <laughs> At least one time. That night, yeah. but um, in the end, in his defense, in the end, I do have like probably a million jackets. So I, in the end, I said, okay, fine, I won't get it. And then he was like, oh no, was it something I said? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, yes. And his response was, <laughs> yes, I win. <laughs> Which is the solid foundation for all marriages. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously. No, in all seriousness, we know. I think I was joking when I said it, I hope. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, we all know conflict in marriage, it's not about winning. Uh, but I, for me, like, I was excited when we decided not to buy the jacket because I was like, okay, we made the right decision. <laughs> we, I, I expressed to her what would be the responsible decision. It was saving money. It was, uh, you know, not falling for the marketing scheme. And it was, you know, we've had a conversation in the past about avoiding clutter in our closet. Yeah, and and we, the tidy up. And the tidying up. Like and we had conversations. Stuff, yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm following all the rules of what a responsible adult should do in this situation. So I was like, yes, I did it. And we, we, we got it right. But then a few days later after Disneyland, we get into a fight about it. And I'm like, what? But I followed all the rules and I did everything right and you're still mad? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't understand. And so we're, you know, and then, you know, fast forward to, you know, this week and we're like, okay, well, I think this is a problem that a lot of us can relate to. Right, husbands? Right, right, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's not just a husband-wife thing. It's, <laughs> it's a people problem. You know, I think we all kind of feel like this in one way or another. You know, whether it be like at your work or, you know, with relationships or in your spiritual life, you kind of feel like you're doing everything right. You're trying to follow all the rules. You know, you're checking off all the boxes and you're just saying to yourself that why am I still, you know, getting into trouble or why am I still falling short? Why am I still not in the place where I want to be, even though I feel like I'm doing all the right things? And this is a situation that the Pharisees found themselves in, and that's what we're going to pick up. And the Pharisees, these people were all about rule following. That was what they lived for. They loved the rules, um, yet Jesus still had to set them straight time and time and again. And actually, the chapter is actually called, Woe on the Pharisees and the Experts in the Law. So we're going to pick up there. Yeah, it's basically all about everything they're doing wrong. Um, so we'll pick up in verse 42, which says, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all of other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. So just to give more background about the Pharisees, like Daniel said, they're all about the law. They know it backwards and forwards, and that's like their thing. They're the rule followers. They follow it to a T, and they're just really intense about it, maybe a little bit too much, right? Because they're almost using following the rules to show off, right? They're like, I'm not only going to give a tenth of it, uh, the big produce, I'm going to count my mint and my rue and all my little herbs, right? So they're kind of using these rules to puff themselves up. Mm -hmm. Like the rule that he's specifically talking about here is from Deuteronomy. Um, it says, be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year, right? So like I said, 
they're like, okay, we, we're going to take this rule and we're going to run with it. Like, you could count your corn, your vegetables, whatever they grew back then, but we're going to count even these tiny little spices and peppercorns and make sure we're getting a tenth of every one of those little things. And if you're not doing it that way, then you're not as good as us, right? Because we're doing it better. We're doing it with every little down to the last detail. And so we're doing it right. And if you're not doing it as detail-oriented and as following the rule to a T like we are, then you're doing it wrong, right? Almost to show how seriously they're taking every single law and how dedicated they are to God because they're following the laws in this specific way. Yeah, and then Jesus is trying to point out to them that you forgot the whole reason for the law. You know, God made this law in Deuteronomy and he wrote it, but you guys have totally forgot the whole purpose of it, the main point. And so it even talks about the main point of the law in the next verse. So Deuteronomy 14, 28, 29, at the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your town. So that's the tithe, the tithe that they've been doing the t- every tenth of all your produce, that's the tithe. So that the Levites who have no allotment or inheritance of their own and the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied and so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the world of your hands. So the purpose of their tithe that they gave, the tenth of everything, was not to boast about how holy you were, was not to be like, oh, look at all the things I'm sacrificing for you, God. Look how close and how dedicated I am to you. It was, it was I mean, maybe that was maybe a little bit to show worship to God, but I think the purpose of that tithe was to bless the people who have nothing, you know, the fatherless, the widows, the Levites, it was the purpose of it was to love on your community who maybe aren't as fortunate. And so the Pharisees saw this verse in Deuteronomy and they put all the emphasis in the former, in the, you know, oh, I'm going to get a tenth of the mint and the rue and everything. Um, and Jesus was like, whoa, 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 back up. So you, from that verse, there were, if you took nothing from that verse, Pharisees, if you took nothing from what that verse said, the last, the only two things I'd want you to take from that verse is justice and the love of God. That was the thing that I wanted you to take from of all. That was the most important, but they completely missed that, and they totally just were focused on just the dedication to the 10th and completely missed the main point of the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were totally missing the point, right? They were using, like Daniel said, they looked at one law, and they kind of neglected verses 28 and 29. I'm sure they followed this too, but I think... Jesus is upset because he's like, no, you're putting so much more emphasis on just giving the tenth. And they're kind of using that to make it about themselves when really the whole point of it is to make it about other people and making about serving the marginalized and those that don't have as much as you, right? So they're missing the point here. And Jesus is getting upset with them because he's like, that's not why God made these rules, right? You're using the rules to make yourselves look holier. You're using the rules to make yourselves look better, make it all about you, basically. But that's not why I wanted you to do this, right? The rules were made to lift others up, right? In verse 28 and 29, they were made to lift up the fatherless, the widows, the foreigners, right? It's made for other people to serve others, but the Pharisees were using it to lift themselves up, and that's why he's so upset in Luke 42, right? He's, they're using it to make themselves look better, and if they're doing it right, then everyone else who's doing it the other way is doing it wrong, and they're almost like looking down on the people that aren't doing it the same way as they are, right? They're right, they're wrong, Pharisees are good, everyone else is bad, and it's creating this divide, and that's why God so, Jesus is so mad in this passage, is because God didn't create these rules to create a divide between people, 
yeah, he created the rules to bring people together, right? In verse 28, he's like, every three years, come together and serve one another and bless one another. And the Pharisees are like, well, no, we're going to use this to make ourselves look holier, make ourselves look better. And God's like, no, no, you're missing the point. The point is not to separate people, to make yourselves feel better about yourselves and make other people feel worse about yourselves. The whole point is so that everyone is like elevated and everyone is lifted up so that you can all share and be blessed together, right? So back to our example about the jacket, which is not the same, but similar. But Daniel, right, he felt like he was doing the right thing. And I think the Pharisees, you know, they're like, we're following the rules. We're doing the right thing. Like, you can't harp on them too hard because I'm sure they had good intentions of trying to follow the rules and trying to do the right thing. And the same way Daniel was trying to be responsible, I think we probably made the more responsible decision in the end. But by doing so, he kind of created this divide, right? We had this conflict um, because he put emphasis on like, no, we need to declutter our lives and we need to be responsible and mature. But it ended up creating this divide. And in doing so, I felt neglected and unloved. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> No, but I mean, like, in a very minor sense, like, because gifts means love to me, right? It's, mean, it's like a gift of love when he gives me these tangible things. Then um, in a small way, I did kind of feel like, oh, it feels like he's choosing to be responsible over choosing to make this day feel special for me, you know? Um, and so I think uh, if we wanted... we do a good job of um, loving one another in this church. I don't think we're at the Pharisee level. I don't think anyone here is really obsessed with rules, but I think like little things like that show that unintentionally we can make people feel less love, or not put emphasis on love, I guess, as much as we should over other things, other responsibilities. Um, but today we even wanted to take it like another step further of kind of extending it to um, the rest of the world, because right now there's so much conflict, there's so much divide um, between different groups. Um, it's, it is a very divisive time, right? And there's people, as much <laughs> as I felt unloved for that little piece of time when uh, Daniel didn't get me this Disneyland jacket, which is ridiculous, but um, as much as as much as I felt that, like people feel that times a thousand every single day by a, a lot of groups, and unfortunately. The Christian church is usually on one side of the conflict, right? And they are unintentionally, I'm sure they have good intentions, but unintentionally making marginalized, feel, uh, marginalized groups feel unloved or neglected um, or unimportant, right? Um, and so for us, we just wanted to take a look at that because we really feel like right now the church is missing the point, right? They're missing it. They're prioritizing responsibilities, rules over the fatherless, the widows, the marginalized, the foreigners, right? And so we wanted to ask Westlight today, we wanted to ask ourselves, how, how can we be people of justice and love, right? How do we navigate between this world of divide and this world of conflict in a loving way, in a way that Jesus is calling us to based on this passage? Yeah, and it's a tough question uh, for us to kind of think of. And uh, <laughs> we, there's no better place to look than in the Bible, and it's already up there. You could go. <laughs> Um, and we looked in Mark, and it's, uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And to even put it simpler, uh, you know, he goes on in John, and he says, A new command I give you, love one another. 
as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Uh, so if you look in the Bible, and Kotz can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, in the Old Testament, you know, you have all these rules about what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. So there's a lot of rules on like how to sacrifice uh, your offering, um, what to do on the Sabbath, how to be holy, and what to do to be clean. And if you don't do certain things, then you kind of become unclean. And there's a lot of rules. And um, Jesus comes in the New Testament and sees that the people have used these rules to divide people into two categories, like the clean and the unclean, the righteous and the unrighteous. And if you're not doing these things, then you're casted out and you're not accepted into the love of God and shame on you. And Jesus sees that it's caused this great divide between his people when really the, the, the purpose of the rules was to bring people together in community. And so Jesus decides, okay, I'm just going to shift the focus that instead of focusing on these rules, we can just shift the focus just to love one another. That's it. This is my greatest commandment, to love one another. Like, I know that you guys have been focusing on it here, and it's causing this, this trouble, this divide between the people. So let's just love each other. And so that's what we're called to do. Jesus is literally calling us to, we're called to love one another and close that divide that separates us as people. And we, <clears throat> we thought of an example um, just of the kind of divide that's happening between the LGBTQIA plus community and the Christian church community. And there's just a lot of brokenness, a lot of pain, and a lot of um, suffering that's going on between these two communities because of things that are being said, actions that are being carried out. And so we at Westlight, we're like, well, how, what can we do um, to kind of be people of love and justice? What, is, there, is there something that we can do, even a small gesture? So we decided to kind of invite two members of that community and have a conversation with them and just sit at the table and just have a conversation. And it wasn't about protesting. It wasn't a heated debate about what is right and what is wrong, what rules are being broken, etc. It had nothing to do with that. I was honored to kind of be at that table because I just literally was sitting and listening, and I just wanted to hear their story, hear their experiences, hear what they're going through, um, giving them a platform to just feel like they're heard, they're accepted, and there's no judgment. I just want to hear from you, and I, if there's anything that we can do at Westside to, to love and grow with you, um, it's not about, you know, things that you're doing wrong, or maybe the, the Christian church that we believe this or that and whatnot. It's not, it wasn't about that. We just wanted to give them a place where they can just sit and be heard and accepted, and um, I was just honored to be a part of that that time. Yeah, and I loved hearing that um, Daniel and some of the other leaders were able to do that and able to create that space for people because that's a really tangible way that we can love someone without having to, like, take a stance or without having to, like, convert one another or without having to maybe protest if that's not your, what you're comfortable with. Like, literally all they did was, like, hey, we're friends and we our communities have had conflict let's just sit down and like how can we support one another and we care about you and so we want to be able to um, show you that we love you right and it was so great because they just loved them and they no one expected the other person to change they just accepted them for who they are right and it was so brave of both sides I think for uh, the leaders of Westlight to be able to like say okay I'm the church, our conference maybe has a certain perspective, but I'm going to put that in the background right now and just listen to the people and the people from the LGBTQIA plus community and the ally. They were able to put aside like maybe their pain or any like um, 
I don't know if there's any resentment, but any resentment that they may have felt, which would be totally understandable. And they put that aside and said, no, I'm going to extend grace and love and give you a chance to understand me, even though they didn't have to do that and they didn't have to be vulnerable with them. But it was so brave for both sides to um, just, yeah, come openly and um, put aside their own agenda just to support one another and to love one another, right? And so I think there's a lot that we can learn from just that one interaction and apply it to any kind of divide because I know that even within this church, I'm sure we all have many different perspectives, right? And so we wanted to kind of break it down in like three very simple things that we can apply um, in any situation to, with any group or people that we interact with, right? So the first one is just love. Like I said, Daniel and these other people that he met with, they just first came with love without before truth, before any rules. They were like, okay, we're coming first with love. We love you, accept you for who you are, and that's what we're prior, that's what we're emphasizing, right? Like Jesus said, we're, put, we're putting the love and justice first before anything else. And the second thing was they listened, right? Like Daniel said, like he didn't say anything. He just listened, and he gave them a voice. He gave them a chance to share their experience, share their story, share their pain, um, and he didn't try to, like, minimize it. He didn't try to say, You're, well, this is what I believe, and that's not, like, it's not what you believe, but here's my perspective. He just literally just listened to them, right, because they were, they're coming from a place where people don't always give them a chance to speak, and they're just put in this wrong, bad category. So he and the other leaders just gave them a space to share their experiences, and he listened. And the third one is um, lift people up, right? So Daniel and uh, the leaders, they wanted to not only give them a chance to just share their stories, but they wanted to take it a step further and say, like, okay, how can Westlight welcome people on both sides of the conversation? How can we be a place where we don't separate, we don't divide and put one group above the other, but how can we lift this community up that's been put down by, unfortunately, a lot of other Christian communities, right? How can we lift you up, and how can we give you a seat at the table, right? And so that's something, like, I think most of us have places where we are in power and places where we're not in power. So you kind of know both sides, right? But if you are in a place of privilege and a place of power, which I'm pretty sure everyone has at least one area where they have that position, like, let's use that to lift other people up to give them a seat at the table so that they can express like you know it would be really loving for me if you did x or i would just feel welcome if we didn't have these political talks or i don't know whatever it may be that like maybe just be the loving and honoring thing to them like it doesn't even have to be like a major political stance like that's not what we're trying to say like just giving them a space to say like uh what they would feel welcomed by. And we want to make sure we're honoring them and loving them and listening to them and using our privilege, our platform to lift people up, right? So that no matter what side you stand on, it doesn't have to be the LGBT plus community. It could be whether you're pro-life or pro-choice or whether you're for immigration or against anti-immigration laws or whether you're, you know, it could be anything. But no matter what side you stand on, we want to be people that don't use these things to divide our community. But we hope that Westlight could be a place where we welcome people from every walk of life, from every experience, right? And that we would choose to put justice and the love of God before all of these rules. And so that's just our hope for us. That's just our hope for every person here that we would be a church, we would be a people 
that remember the most important rule, which is to love others as God has loved us. Amen. Amen. All right, well, let me, let me pray for us.